maybe it's actually just more valuable to spend that time collecting the records, collecting the documents and making those available. Hey folks, welcome to Lights Out Mass, a podcast about government transparency or the lack thereof in Massachusetts. I'm Andrew Comer here with my co-host, Jeff Raymond. I put in a request for the disciplinary records for the Flaming Fist in Baldur's Gate, and they're just not responding in time. I'm very disappointed. (laughs) Okay, Uh, we're recording on Monday, September 18th. Save the Baldur's Gate stuff for the end, Jeff. I had to. I'm sorry. It's ruining my life. <laughs> Mine too. We've got serious business, and you know what? I'm I'm mad because I don't have anything to play Baldur's Gate three on. So when you guys talk about it, you know that's just being rude to me. But anyway, we've got a another guest today. We've got Nathan Story. Hey there. Here to introduce his new project, State Reference. And by the way, Nathan, I just want to tell you out of the gate. Easy to remember the URL, statereference.com, but you got to work on the uh, search engine optimization for that. It's like <laughs> ghost town on Google if you look for it. Yeah, it's it's going to take some time. <laughs> <laughs> but people people might know Nathan, or, or maybe you don't know Nathan, but you may know of his, pro- his previous project anyway, uh, Woke Windows. You may have checked it out. You may have seen people share this on social media, or sometimes it gets referenced in news reporting about the Boston police. But before we get into state reference, just for some background for people, Nathan, why don't you tell us what exactly is Woke Windows or was okay, it? So, yeah. So so Woke Windows was a project I started back in uh, 2020, you know, in kind of the post-George Floyd kind of era, right? I saw like a lot of good reporting about police and um, police misconduct and racism and all that. And I was like, well, this is really interesting. I really want to see if I can do something to contribute, right? So I started this project, Woke Windows, that focused on the Boston Police Department specifically, because, well, I live in Boston, I guess start local, right? And the goal of the Woke Windows project, which I'm which I really like and regretting the name now, honestly. <laughs> like, you know, you make like a thousand decisions and like one of them is you choose a name and you move on, but then the name is what lasts forever, right? <laughs> like, and want something like stupid and not cute in the future. But <laughs> with, with Woke Windows, kind of my goal was I'm going to take, I'm going to bring together like a lot of data about the Boston Police Department, right? Like stuff about misconduct, yeah, stuff about like salaries and stuff about like incident reports and traffic tickets, just like all the data I can find. You know, a lot of that, like I got thanks to people out there like who were making public records requests like you, Andrew, like who already put on the internet so I could like just download that and use it. Some stuff I had to discover, like what public records requests were (laughs) and start filing FOIAs and kind of learning about the process here in Massachusetts. But I took all that data. And I think the big thing about Windows was that I connected it. So you could go to a page and it's like a profile of a specific officer and you could see, oh, here's their salary over the last 10 years. Here's like misconduct allegations that they've racked up. Here's like, I also brought in things like uh, newspaper articles about them and other kind of documents. So you could really get that like profile there, 
which like people found very compelling because like as you're saying with like people have linked to it from like newspaper articles because you know if you're talking about a particular police officer you can just link to that page and it was just like pretty it was pretty cool but like the thing for me with that project that kind of like wore me down is it ended up being like a lot of work and a lot of like finicky work right it's because it was about linking that stuff together it would be like okay i got this pdf full of all the, the disciplinary data, and I'm going to pull the data out of it. That's such a pain in the ass, <laughs> you know, to take something that was originally a spreadsheet, convert it into a PDF, and try to make a spreadsheet back out of it. But, you know, I had what I had, right? And then trying to link that up to the profiles, like, that's actually really hard to take from, like, a data set to be like, well, you say this is Officer John Smith. Which Officer John Smith, Right. And if you get it wrong, like, it's really, it's really not great, yeah. <laughs> right? If you're kind of saying, like, oh, yeah, this guy was fired for being a huge douchebag. And it's just like, no, wrong guy. <laughs> like, that's really embarrassing, right? <laughs> and so it takes a lot of work to kind of figure out, okay, what are, like, in this specific police department, like, in Boston, how do we identify a police officer? Well, they have an internal system called, like, the employee ID that applies across the city of Boston as a whole, there's also something called a badge number, but you, it turns out you can't use that because badge numbers change and are even reused. That's really not a good identifier, right? And so, so like, I have to learn all this stuff to bring it together. And what I get out of it is I get, like, one police department, right? Boston. So one of the problems I really identified with Woke Windows was, or a problem that I felt it had, was I didn't feel like I could scale that process. Because it was just so labor intensive because you need to know so much about every department right and really and that was always kind of a goal i had in mind like it was like i don't want to just stop at boston i want to do something for the entire state especially when you take into account and i think when you spoke before andrew maybe this is something like spoke years ago this is something you talked about was that it's actually like outside of Boston, where it's actually kind of more of a problem because of like journalism deserts and and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Boston has like fairly, you know, I'm not going to say it's as good as it could be, but Boston does have fairly robust, uh, a fairly robust journalism ecosystem, whereas the rest of the state is really dominated by these like Gannett newspapers that yeah. have just been shedding people, you know, for years. And just there's really very limited coverage and to some extent, no coverage in a lot of these places. Yeah. So it just it always felt important to see, like, how can I scale this up? Right. But and kind of another thing was I'm putting in all this work, connecting the day together, kind of creating the profiles. And it's like, actually, how valuable is that? Because, you know, if you're a journalist, like, you don't want to just trust what I say. Like, you want to go to the primary source documents and look at them, mm -hmm. right? If you're a lawyer, you definitely want to go to the primary source documents and look at them, right? So, like, really, maybe it's actually just more valuable to spend that time collecting the records, collecting the documents, and making those available, right? And also, just, like, on a personal level, it's really fun to send out FOIAs, right? <laughs> it's just like, it's just really cool to like, you send an email to like a town clerk or police department or whatever, and you ask for something and then they like give it to you. <laughs> like it feels very powerful. It feels like Christmas, you know, when, you, when I see one of those emails on my phone. Yeah, that's something I, I've said before. It's like where in, in these like relationships with government, typically 
people are on like the receiving end, you know, like they they're having to do all this stuff for bureaucracies or they're getting pulled over by the cops. You know, somebody's yeah. telling them what yeah. to do. But in this, this is a, one situation where you get to go to the government and say, no, I get to tell you what to do. You know, <laughs> but you know, Nathan, I think when I when I introduced you, I, I neglected to sort of mention your background, which might have oh, yeah. more context here. You're you're a computer programmer and. I would say you're kind of like a bit of a data whiz, like you're very good at connecting data and understanding data, which Thank you know, you. is something, uh, you know, one of the, the skills that Jeff and I do not really bring to the whole sort of public records and transparency thing. But it's something very important, obviously, because, you know, obviously data is becoming a bigger and bigger part of sort of records and journalism in general just because so much is well i mean like everything is done with computers now you know yeah, absolutely so th everything is is in some database uh everything is connected in some way or can be connected in some way by the person a person who knows how to do it like you and i i do think you know you, you were saying you question the value of what you were doing with oak windows i do think it's very cool to have all these different points that can be connected but i also appreciate what you're saying about like in terms of journalists they're not necessarily going to rely on some database by some guy even if it is reliable yeah. they want to check the primary stuff but i, I do appreciate what or they should that. want to right yes, of course <laughs> right but but i mean that kind of brings us to your your new project state reference which i it you say it's still in beta but you can go statereference.com you can check Please, it out yeah. it's a it's already got it says right on the front right now i'm looking at it 103,270 documents collected from state agencies municipalities and police departments across Massachusetts. that's it yeah i know that's, that's, that's it only, only 100,000 <laughs> boy what a slacker uh, yeah i know i need to work harder yeah so not to bury the lead too much on it but um you know nathan sent me an early version of this just to check out when we he and yeah. i first started talking about post records and the first thing i do is i look up my hometown of milbury and of what do i find in there but you know nathan had dug out sort of like the lawsuits between our police union and our police department and our town there was one in particular about a, an officer who had resigned it had to do with the officer had borrowed a gun from the armory <laughs> and it was a whole thing but he talked about part of the lawsuit was about his dismissal and leaving they didn't want to pay out his his vacation or something like that but he talked a lot about his ptsd in the lawsuit i had never seen these documents before i looked for Booked in the local papers, nothing about this. And it was just so fascinating to find out that it's like they couldn't believe this guy had PTSD because he was so lighthearted, like when he did a dance during an autopsy. And I was mm. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And I love that. I love that you were able to find that. Like, that was so cool. Who who among who amongst us, Jeff? <laughs> that he who is not dancing an autopsy cast the first stone. It's <laughs> so wait, I like so state reference, right? The idea is is let's just collect a lot of documents and put it in a searchable database, a searchable, a full text searchable database, right? Like if some name is mentioned on the fifth page of some random PDF and you type in the search engine, that should come up, 
right? That's the idea behind it, right? And really, I'm taking these records from primarily, uh, I kind of, uh, two big sources, right? One is public records requests, which we can talk a lot about. <laughs> the other is like uh, something I think where it's, this document Jeff is talking about came from. It's kind of these, I'm going to call them uh, dark databases that you have, where basically you have these state agencies and they're putting to, and they're kind of making these decisions, creating these documents. I think specifically that's the Department of Labor Relations, which handles like a lot of labor related disputes. And it's all public. But they publish it in this sort of database you can go to that's very difficult to use, right? Like you like you kind of go to it and you feel like, oh, this is janky. Like it was created like 20 years ago. And you can kind of like, you can look stuff up. Like you could probably, you could type in like Millbury and get like a lot of cases there. But like, if you wanted to like search all of them and see if a particular name appears in it, there's no way to do that from their interface, right? And because of how this stuff works on a technical level, there's no way for Google to find these databases either because it's kind of hidden behind a web search form. It's not like linked out so Google can find it. And so just by, you know, and I'm sure like many like journalists, they know already about these data sources. They know maybe to like search this stuff, but like a lot of people don't, or it's just a lot of effort as it is, right? And so by putting this into state reference, kind of the idea and making it searchable, like we can surface that for more people more easily. Yeah, I mean, some of these websites, they will have a fairly large collection of like PDFs about some topic, but often they're just in like a list and you might be able to like do a control F search and find something related to a specific town or something, but there's no way to, to really just do like a search, like what you're talking about, where it's all just, you know, very easy to find anything and and to use you know operators which you know for people who aren't familiar like you can search and and have you know i i want to make sure it has this and this or it could have this or this and you can really get specific with what you're searching for and you can really narrow down you know what documents might contain what information and i think that there, there is a huge value in having a huge database like that. Like you're saying, there's all this stuff that's out there, but the question is, you know, right now you've got 100,000 documents on here. Who can go through 100,000 documents? Like you need to have a way of, of narrowing down stuff so you can find that needle in a haystack. And, and there is a huge, or tremendous, I should say, value in that. Exactly. That's, that's that's exactly my thoughts. And yeah, and thank you for appreciating the advanced search operators, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which, you know, you know, we love to nerd out on that sort of thing. Oh, man, like when I'm when I'm on like the Boston Globe archive in the you know public library, I'm like using search operators trying yeah, to that find... is one gorgeous Boolean search you got there. Mm -hmm. so... <laughs> so I do have a I do have a question as to, you know, just as a technical sort of question on it is, you know, PDFs, especially when it comes to these municipalities, a lot of times it's literally, you know, some woman who's worked in an office for 25 years, printing something off, yeah, stamping it and scanning it back in. And they're not even thinking about, you know, I don't know what I, this, this shows where my gaps are. They don't OCR it. And I don't actually know what OCR stands for, but I know that's the thing that helps you you know, actually read the data in a PDF. To clarify that, like what we're talking about is you get a document, 
right? Like a printed document, a paper document. You put it in a scanner, you scan it, and then you get a PDF. But what that PDF actually is, is it's like, a, it's basically a photograph of the um, yeah. original document. And then that photograph, you can't search it. You, you, you know, you might have a word in it, but if you type in control F, nothing's going to pop up because all that is, is an image. There's no text or data saved in the image. So what OCR is, I guess, Nathan, why don't you explain it yeah. for us? So OCR, optical character recognition, right? So I'm definitely not an expert. Like I just use the tools, <laughs> you know, this advanced machine learning that makes it so computers can read stuff. I don't know. It's a bit magic, but, but like, yeah, everything on. So yeah, a lot of documents you get right through public records, they end up being, yeah, these scans as, as like Andrews describe it, like a photograph and it's not readable, right? You can't search it. You can't copy and paste it. So everything that goes into state reference automatically gets OCR'd, right? So that you can then search it, so you can copy and paste from it. And this is kind of, yeah, this is like a whole important thing to kind of make this work, right? <laughs> Otherwise you just get the problem where you're just like searching on the, where you're just having to browse and read a whole ton of documents to find that needle in the haystack that you're looking for. Yeah, and what's funny is when they, they passed the big public records overhaul bill in 2016, one of the rules in it is that any document you provide in an electronic format is supposed to have the machine readable texts. So searchable texts. And you encounter this all the time. Like it, it, it's supposed to be that these agencies will have OCR and they'll put the OCR on the document for you, you know, like, but often like you'll have to go back and forth with them and they'll be like, well, we don't have the ability to do that. And it, they're supposed mm -hmm. to, but they won't do it. And it's like, it's up to you basically. That's why we have some guy, yeah. you know, programming his database where he's got to put the OCR in himself because a lot of these agencies yeah. aren't willing to follow this rule about having searchable text. But, you know, I, it's, it's a bit like of a, like, I don't know, like very nerdy, concept that you know this like machine readable text in documents but it's actually like really important because part of like we're saying is how you you actually turn these documents into something productive is that you have the ability to search them it's really important even though it sounds like very esoteric and like you know boring it's it's actually you know crucial in terms of like journalists or whoever making use of this information 100 yeah i gotta say that you know nathan had said something earlier about like you know the smaller counts they don't quite know how to do this and it's like i ran into a lot of this with my post records where you know they would send me a file and it's a pdf that's a crooked scan of something <laughs> and it's like you know you on one hand you want to be that guy who's like actually i really need this in a format i can use but on the other hand like you already know it was pulling teeth to get them to put the attachment in the email. How much benefit am I going to get out of this to try to get it? Of course, I think there's also the other side of it, where you have folks that are literally printing out P printing out Excel spreadsheets in order to scan them and then send you the PDF afterward to make sure mm. you can't get at it. You know, I think there's two sides to it. With a spreadsheet, it's even worse because with a spreadsheet, it's not just the text, it's the way that the data is formatted into like different units that you know you can not just search but you can manipulate in different ways to find out things about them so like it, people who aren't sort of fixated on these issues 
like I know your eyes might glaze over a little bit when we're talking about like Excel spreadsheets and you know machine readable <laughs> text, but all this stuff really is important. And even if even if it you are one of the, the people who gets bored by it, just know that it's it actually is something important that people like us have to deal with. And even if we're not tech people like myself, I'm not a giant tech person. I you know I, I try to learn when I can, but I'm not you know like on Nathan's level of understanding data, uh, you know engineering and that kind of stuff. But like we we still encounter these things, and it's such a pain in the butt. And and really, I think that it kind of calls for a broader solution in terms of the state creating tools that are going to assist some of these smaller municipalities that maybe can't invest in like OCR technology or something. But and, until we get that, you know, it's not a very like sexy issue. It's something that, you know, takes like nerds like us to complain about it uh, yeah. in sufficient numbers to make that change. Until we have that, we're gonna, we are going to have to rely on people like Nathan who can sort of create these tools for us and create these uh, these resources. So, uh, again, I know I'm just like, you know, praising you but like this really is important it's appreciate it i'll, even, I'll even, accept it even if even if it's you know uh, uh called state reference i mean which you, like i was saying you know the seo on that like it's a little <laughs> it's gonna... <laughs> it, i think it might be you might have called it uh like you might have had to come up with another like woke windows kind of thing even if you aren't uh, still a fan of the original title just so that it's unique right yeah exactly <laughs> but in any case this is a really great tool like people should check this out i mean uh, so you have stuff coming from different places and you've got stuff from what I understand that you basically set up these tools to automatically pull documents from different sources. So as soon as the state posts a document on the website gets pulled into state reference and all of a sudden, not only is it in your uh, website, it's also like searchable. It's, it's part of this database and it's uh, more useful than if it was just, you know, posted on the state's website. And so yeah. where, like, what sort of documents do you have this set up for where you're automatically pulling them? So I have a, I have a list on the site somewhere, but, but. Uh, and, and I just want to actually, let me ask another question. Sorry to interrupt, but it, oh, it, yeah. this, is, this is called data scraping, right? Can you kind of explain what that is for people? Yeah. So really, like, a, yeah, data scraping, a web scraper. So basically what happens is once as each as every night, it kind of depends on every night or like on Saturday, every Saturday or something like that. My little automated bot goes out and it goes to like, for instance, the Department of Labor Relations. It goes to their search and it goes, OK, let's search for let's search the past two months for any updated cases. And let's download any that have changed since the last time we looked. And it automatically downloads each of them and brings it into my system. It does all the OCR and the uploading and everything like that. And it's 100% automated, right? So, so just every week that runs, every day another one runs. Does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> Yeah. And so like what kind of stuff do you have and sort of what may, was there any particular inspiration for some of the stuff you put on here? Or is it just like you saw a piece of data and was like, I can... I can incorporate that. So, so my kind of my goal, like I'm trying to, I'm still figuring that out, right? Like what should be the scope? What should you put up? Kind of my, what I'm first looking at is I'm kind of thinking if you're a journalist who works with public rest records, what would, what would you be interested in? Right. And with a particular focus on journalists who are working in stories related to police misconduct, 
So the stuff that has to do with like uh, labor disputes, that seems to be kind of a goldmine for police misconduct stuff, because oftentimes like a police department tries to discipline an officer and they appeal to some authority, right? Which is kind of very interesting because in doing so, they kind of are putting it to this, uh, I don't know what they call it, like quasi-judicial process so that you kind of get the facts of their misconduct and put it out there, which is kind of self-defeating sometimes, I think. <laughs> like if they're arguing over small matters, like you could have just let this like, <laughs> like you, you could have kind of hit this if you didn't like argue about it. <laughs> so were you doing this sort of automation like for other things before you got into the public records realm of it? Was this um, just like a already a passion of yours to start? Yeah, I, I, I've always been big on like web scraping stuff, actually. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like a it, it's a little silly, right? Like you're writing like like programs that download websites to kind of reverse engineer the data. But it, it's it's just fun. <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's it's a lot like, you know, saying about like getting public records. FOIA is fun because you get like because you send an email and you get a big data set from someone. It's fun to write a little program that outputs a big data set of something. You're like, oh, it worked, <laughs> you know? So I was just I was just looking at the list here of kind of the stuff that I'm pulling in just to like refresh my memory. But there's some interesting things here that like I didn't realize existed until I started looking, right? Like again, the Department of Labor Relations, they apparently collect the contracts between unions and like municipalities. Like I didn't realize that. I thought if you wanted the union contracts, you had to go to each town and ask them. But apparently they've been submitting that to like uh, this central authority. Which is like, which is really cool because there is a lot of like interest in what's in these, like spe specifically the police union contracts, right? I want to say DeRay McKesson was was um collecting all like he had the the Project Zero or whatever his organization is, um working on doing those doing those deep dives into all the union contracts at some point. Yeah, because these union contracts are not just about money. They are also about working conditions, which could include like how discipline is implemented. So often yeah, a, a union can negotiate essentially what are like special privileges that basically make it much harder to discipline someone. And that's a real problem in policing where you'll have all these like special privileges, like they, they have to give you like time to get your story straight and you can even like review the evidence ahead of being questioned and like all this stuff that if the police pulled you in to question you about something they're not going to give you you know the evidence they're not going to like say oh well, we'll give you a few days to to make sure you have your story you know uh down they're going to pull you in as soon as possible and you know they're not going to tell you stuff and they're going to try to try to trip you up but like the police can negotiate all these things and and uh you know basically make it much harder to to successfully discipline them even though they already have all these special privileges built into the law that make it harder to discipline them so it's like a something really important that people can focus on and yeah that's i didn't know that either like that's great that you can have all that stuff in one place and also that it's like searchable and you're right i thought that you had to uh make public records requests for that stuff too but apparently not so this is why it's good to have yeah. somebody doing this kind of thing. And I mean, really, the state should be doing what you're doing. But since they're not, you know, here you are. Um, yeah, that's an opportunity. That's what that's what that's called. Yeah, exactly. So you've got like 
union contracts you've got labor stuff you the the post commission stuff the uh peace officer standards and training commission this is the police oversight board that was recently established at the state level you've got jeff and i did a whole episode about that last time about how the data that was made public by the post commission is a very limited subset of the data it's only the so-called sustained complaints so it's the complaints against officers where the police department which is investigating their own officer decided that that officer did something wrong but jeff you know was on this mission to get these original spreadsheets that had non-sustained complaints and it looks like you've got a lot of that stuff on here too right yeah. So I have all this post-commission data, thanks to this guy, Jeff Raymond, if, if, you're, <laughs> if you're familiar with them. And yeah, and that's, and I think that's really exciting. And Jeff did like such a good job, like putting in all that work, because that's really what it was, a lot of work, right? And one way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and you know, and it, what's really exciting to me is like, yeah, we, we put that all together. And when you start searching for names, right. And you start seeing like, oh, how that can like surface someone from multiple documents. You can say, oh, here's something from the civil service commission where like they're passed over for promotion and it's because of something sketchy they did. Oh, here's like them in an internal affairs like spreadsheet. Here's from, from the, that was submitted to the post commission. Right. And being able to bring all this together, I think it's like really exciting. And it was all possible because of Jeff's work. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> and, and I mean with with Woke Windows, what you were doing was you were creating like relationships between the data that made it easier to make those connections. And you're not quite doing that here, but even so, just the fact that all this stuff is in one place and that the database is searchable and you can bring up multiple types of documents, it still allows you to make those connections, even if it's not like making them for you, you know, like you still have to do the searches and whatnot, but it's still going to, it's still going to help you find those connections. And that's like mm -hmm. really great to have that. And I know that, uh, you you on your website are soliciting feedback from journalists, and I know some journalists you know follow my work. So if you guys are out there, check check statereference.com and send Nathan some feedback after you play around with this website a little bit because you'll probably find some cool stuff in there, and you might have some suggestions on how he can improve it. But this is this is kind of where the greatness of like the collaboration between a lot of different groups comes from because it's like. I'm not, I am, I'm a baby data maven. I am, <laughs> I, I, I understand that if I put things into a spreadsheet, it can spit out something that looks really cool later on. How to get mm. from point A to point C, I don't know. Mm. But, but Nathan knows how. And more to the point, like what I'm finding when I, when he had let me know that he had pulled in a lot of the post data, he solved a problem for me. And that a lot of these things weren't OCR, weren't searchable. Yeah. And now they are. And it's like, I was kind of loathing the, the idea of having to go through 350 spreadsheets manually. I shouldn't say 350 spreadsheets, 350 towns with multiple spreadsheets when it's all kind of like, now I can do the copy paste that I want to do for those purposes of developing a sort of like post commission database that the post commission won't do, <laughs> you know? And, and that's the whole thing where it's like, you know, it's like with our powers combined, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Nathan's got his his <laughs> his data ring on and I've got my like, you know, just like, you know, email workhorse thing on and Andrew's mm -hmm. got his, you know, 
he's like our he's like our old grizzled vet in this yeah foxhole <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> it's great it's awesome yeah you've been studying these requests forever seriously <laughs> we're noobs yeah yeah <laughs> You know, and I don't know anything about journalism. So like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the the way that people can collaborate on some of this stuff is really great. People mm -hmm. who have different skill sets can kind of put in the work in different areas. And the result is stuff like this, you know, like some of these records on there, you know, you wouldn't be able to populate your website with as much stuff if there weren't other people doing this kind of work. But at the same time, this stuff wouldn't be as useful if you weren't doing this, you know, data stuff with it and making it all uh, more accessible to people. So, I mean, like I, you know, my, I haven't even updated it in a while. I have like a website where I have this like data, I, I call it a database. I don't even know if it's appropriate to call it that. It's like basically. It's a base of areas. It yeah. has data. It's, it, it's, it's, it is. If you can the database is whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Fair enough, but it's basically an, it's like a Google spreadsheet that has like links to the documents on a WordPress site. So like you can't like search within the documents. You can only search for like some of the like names and metadata yeah. about the information. And it was very you know uh, like I don't have any of this stuff automated. I have no idea how to do any of that. So I'm like manually entering stuff into a Google spreadsheet, and it takes forever. And eventually, I'm just like. I don't mm -hmm. even have time to do this shit anymore. Mm -hmm. So to have people who do know this kind of stuff is just tremendous, you know, to have to have people like that doing this kind of work. But, you know, I think we we said like a lot about this. I know that maybe there's some other like stuff like you. I think you wanted to talk about how uh, private universities have police departments yeah. or private hospitals have. Police oh, my departments. God. That's that's all. Thing. Wait, actually. There's something else I want to talk about. Oh, I'm sure. Just like, and I have before I forget. So like, I'm also, I'm doing something on state reference that I think might be a bit controversial and that, you know, obviously I'm going to piss off police department. Like, I understand that. I accept that. But I think I'm going to piss off some journalists too. So one of the big part things I've been trying to do on state reference kind of systematically is what I'm calling piggyback public records requests. So this is the, uh, so basically the idea behind this is usually how the public records law is used by journalists. As I understand it, I'm not a journalist, this is just my observation, is that a journalist will be working on a story, right? And or they'll have like a lead or some idea and they'll send out a request to a state agency or a municipality, right? And then that agency, they put in the time to search for the records, they put in the time to redact the records. Maybe there's some argument argument back and forth about the redactions, maybe there are fees paid. And eventually they give like the, the pile of records to the journalist to go through. And the journalist writes their story. Okay. And then typically what happens to the records is they get put in a filing cabinet and are never published for anyone to see. Because as I understand that, you know, some journalists, they do upload things to Document Cloud and that's really great. But it just doesn't seem to be really part of the culture to like publish primary source documents like mm -hmm. that. And so like a big thing I'm trying to do is to is I'm kind of systematically find I'm I'm finding requests that have been made. I'm doing that. I'm using data from the supervisor of records, the appeals to get that. I'm getting public, I'm getting the logs of public records requests received by by towns. There's like a state agency dates. There's a lot of sources. And I'm going through it and I'm sending emails. I'm sending emails. That's whatever. That's what a public records request is, right, guys? It's an email. I'm sending an email. I'm like, okay, journalist John Smith asked for asked on 
January 5th, 2023 for certain records with this description. And the town provided him with a response on whatever date. Please send me the records you sent to John Smith and any communications with him, right? And I'm sending out a ton of requests like that and collecting those records and adding it to state reference, right? Because as I see it, like the idea of all that work being done and just being filed away really sucks, right? And like this stuff is just, and a lot of this stuff really is just so valuable for like other purposes. Like you see this stuff, like a journalist will get stuff that's like a whole bunch of internal affairs records with like details about misconduct. And they write one story about it, maybe using a, just like some of that data. And like, maybe that's useful for criminal defense attorneys, right? <laughs> who, these, who these cops are going after. Maybe this is useful for someone when that cops, when one of the cops' names comes up in a story later, right? Like there's all sorts of stuff and it's just not getting out there. And this is something that I kind of learned when I was working on Woke Windows. And it's kind of one of those things that, you know, makes you a little angry where like, you know, when I was starting work window, Woke Windows, I was very young and naive and I didn't know anything about journalism or the public records law. So like I would see that a journalist would write a story about the Boston Police Department based on public records. And I just sent an, and I sent an email like, oh, I see you got these certain records from the city or whatever. Could you send me a copy? And the answer was basically always the same, which was like, I would love to, but my editor wouldn't like it if I did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, you know, I'll just I, I'll say that that annoys me, too, is like, I, in fact, I've even seen it on there. there's something called Sunshine Week in March every year when it's sort of like it's it's like to raise a, for journalists to raise awareness about public records and other government transparency related issues. And I've even seen like Sunshine Week stories like about public records where they don't put the records in. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm going to tear my hair out. Like, what is wrong with you? Like exactly. part of exactly. part of part of public records is you get to show your work. And so you should show your work. I mean, I will say there are certain circumstances where I have records and I'll quote from them that I don't publish just because there's something in it that I consider like really personal or embarrassing to someone. And it's not necessary to make that public. And that's like yeah. kind of a, a value judgment you have to make sometimes. But I think that generally it, it's like, just as a general rule, it's good to like show your work when you're a journalist, because especially with, you know, people complaining about like fake news or whatever, not having trust in the media, it's important to be able to say, no, like, look, this is the process I used. It's, it's, it, like, you know, just like a scientist, you can replicate my process and yes, get the same yes. results. So you should be able to do that for people. But like, I, I I mean, I agree. But I will say I have had interactions with other journalists. Maybe it's because I'm also a journalist that, that I yeah. find this easier. I have found plenty of situations where I'll say, hey, could you send me a copy of that? And people will say yes. But I have also encountered the same thing where they'll say, I can't because my editor doesn't want me to or mm. sorry, I'm I'm competitive and I don't want to send you that. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. But I I, I find that it, it varies a bit, but there are many uh, very collegial journalists who are, will send you stuff. But I, I do agree that just as sort of a general rule, people need to like publish a lot of their work and really show what where they got this information from. And, and I want to say it's great that it's great that you are doing that. And also. I noticed one thing you were posting on there where a lot of agencies have these, their logs of all the public records requests they get yes. and you're publishing all these logs. So you can actually go in and find out what records requests people are sending. And yeah. it's like, you could find out that a bunch of journalists are asking about this or whatever, or some random people are making requests to the town and find that stuff. 
it's it's great because I mean I work I was a freelancer for a Gannett paper and I would do some stories that were based off of public requests, public records requests every once in a while. And yeah. I would say, I have all the documents. Would you like them as part of this? Because, you know, you are putting it online. And my the response I would get is, you know, we're just a small paper that, you know, the majority of our subscriber base is getting it on paper. And I'm not going to publish like, you know, 20 pages of this thing in the middle of the paper. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like there were some times where I would just throw them up on a Google Drive and link them on my Twitter and be like, if you want them, they're online. I've, you know, go to my Twitter page. But, you know, it, it's it's so funny. It's such an old media style concept yeah. to not sh to not show your work, to not have the. It seems like it's like stuff. cultural, right? Yeah. Like yeah. when you're saying like from the printed paper, like I guess like if you're printing a newspaper, you couldn't include like 100 pages of documents just in the middle because one story references them, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, except in like very I mean, like the New York Times or Washington Post, they would publish like excerpts from the Pentagon Papers and, you know, years ago. But just generally, there I, I think it's changed a lot in recent years, and there are more people who are conscious of this, and especially people who work with public records on a regular basis tend to be very conscious of this and want the documents out there. But there are people who, I, I think it's a, a, to a large extent, it's people who use them sometimes, but it's not like a, a huge part of what they do. They'll like, they, they just don't put it in there because it's mm. just, you're right, it's like a cultural thing where it's yeah. it's, a, it's a printed medium and people just, it evolved from a printed medium and there's just no no sort of sense that we've got to like put that out there for people to see. But no, I mean, I, I, I it doesn't piss me off. I think it's great that you're doing <laughs> that to, to make yeah. that stuff available to people. Um, but yeah, I was asking and, this stuff about the private uh, university and hospital police. What's your what's the deal with that? Tell us a little bit about what you've been finding. So this is something that so uh, well, actually, this is something where I haven't been finding anything yet. But like this is something when you're talking about like the post commission, I think is really exciting. Right. Because like we have these literal private police departments in Massachusetts, right? Like I can't, like Harvard University has a police department, right? And I forget the exact number, but it's pretty big. Like it's bigger than many municipalities, right? And they can like arrest people, but like you can't ask them for data. You can't ask them for information. They're a private university. You know, we haven't yet nationalized Harvard and renamed it UMass Cambridge. That's my one political like <laughs> opinion I'm very much in favor of. But like, and and kind of for the first time, it looks like, you know, we're kind of getting that data from the Post Commission, like in the database they published. And hopefully we can start like getting, you know, more detailed data. From them, like more than just what they published, if we can get public records requests to the post commission and actually have them respond to those public records requests, right? And I think that's really exciting. And you know, and it's the same thing with hospitals. Like you look at you look at the list of like um, of uh, officers from the post commission. Another big resource, right, that we didn't have before. A simple thing that the post commission put together. It probably wasn't simple for them to put together. It's just like. How many police are there in Massachusetts? Yeah, right. Like uh, before recently, we didn't know. <laughs> you know, even the even the question of how many departments are in Massachusetts, I'm not sure if anyone exactly knows. Like I saw something from the post commission, like the minutes of one of their meetings, and like 
even they were like uh 400 something departments like it didn't seem clear to me if they knew how many departments yeah. there were <laughs> but i remember i remember when i started pulling together my list of who i was going to reach out to it was like there was this one town that i could not i knew they had a department but i couldn't figure out why their department consists of one man who works 12 hours a week for the 40 something people who live on this little island off of the Cape. I, I, you know, he did not do anything with Post. He'd never heard of Post before. I'm surprised <laughs> he knew how to do his email, but it was one of those deals where it was just, you know, what does Post think about this? You know, there are a lot of those Western mass towns that don't even have departments period. They just use the state police. But, you know, it's it's so many fascinating things you find out doing these. It's, it's yeah. you know, I was very excited when I saw the, the university police come through there, especially because it's like, you know, my yeah. small college had 350 people when I went there, but they had about, you know, 20 cops working part time, you know, it's <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and about those, those small towns for people who've never done this before, go to the Wikipedia page. It's list of municipalities in Massachusetts. Go down to the to the list, sort it by population size, and then just go look at some of those tiny towns. You will be shocked by how like small some of these places are. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and it yeah, it's just wild. Yeah, just how many, how many police departments there are when you start thinking about like the overlapping jurisdictions and stuff. Like my wife works at a hospital here in Boston and every hospital is on Brookline Ave in Boston. They just have like one street where they decided to place them all for some reason. And just like the number of different like cruisers you can see, you'll see like the MBTA Transit Police, the Boston Police, of course, like Simmons College, like you'll see I, like Harvard Medical School is right there. So I'm sure you'll see Harvard sometimes. Then like the, the hospitals there, I think both Brigham and Women's and Beth Israel have like some like officers that they employ as part of their security departments who are actually like sworn police officers. And you just have so many just overlapping. And like, how do you keep all of that accountable? Like, you know, how many little fiefdoms are there out there? And it's really it's, kind it's of scary. It's cops all the way down. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, for, for all our criticisms of the Post Commission, just it, at the very least, we're getting a better sense of just like what is out there in terms of police which i mean it's wild to think that we we didn't have that until recently just like the yeah. number of police departments the number of officers like which which private you know institutions have their own like police departments with like full police powers where they can arrest people just it's it's incredible to think that we didn't have access to that information in one you know one source until recently but yeah i mean i agree and it's 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 going to allow us to make more of these connections and it's going to help journalists and just people in general find out a bit more about what's going on in their communities. Nathan, there there was one other thing I think you wanted to talk about, which I think I'm going to love this rant about mm -hmm. towns that do not post oh my God. email addresses for the public records access officer on the website. Towns that don't publish email addresses on their websites. This irritates all three of us, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. The worst. Because this is a thing about like making public records requests, right? If you're making public records requests to a lot of uh, a lot of towns, a lot of your work is type is like Googling town name Massachusetts, <laughs> getting to their website, or, or really it's like town name Massachusetts public records, town name Massachusetts records access officer. 
And then you get to their website and it's like, okay, now I just need to get the email address to add to my system because I'm using like some software to help me like template emails and everything. And then there, and then some of them are like, no, we're not giving you a single email address on this entire website. If you want to email the town clerk, you need to figure, you need to like click this link that says email, but it just brings up this form where yes. you can like type in the body of an email. And then, you know, you click and then you do that and you click send. You're like, did it actually send? Did it go to anyone? Like, like who do I email to find out? Some of these don't even like send you a copy of it to make sure that you verify, you know, verify that you, they, that it was actually sent to them and that you have yeah. a copy of it. When I when I was starting this post thing out, because there's no centralized list. There is no yeah. centralized list of everybody. I found, I ended up tripping up on the Mass Municipal Town Clerk Association's mailing list. They Ooh. had like a sign-in sheet from 2019 that had their names and their email addresses and their towns. And I'm like, this is better than nothing. I'm going <laughs> to run with it and see what happens. Because, you know, there's not that much turnover in the grand scheme of things. And yeah, I yeah. figured with a lot of these folks, if they had left, like they're getting their email forwarded to someone else. Like they've hopefully, left, but that yeah. email address is hopefully getting over there. And, you know, probably 80% of the records requests I did for this post project were from that list. And it was great because if they wrote back and said, oh, it's actually such and such. Well, great. I'll update my list while I'm at it, you know? And you know, one of my longer term projects for mass transparency is going to be having a thing where you can type in a town and bring up all the records access officers for that for that town or city. Because there are some that have yeah. like literally 12, depending on, you know, the type of topic that you're going after. And then there's some that just have that one yeah. person who does them all. And <laughs> This is a big frustration for me too, is you have, so, so one thing like Nathan was saying is you'll have people, they'll just post a form and like it, it'll go to their email allegedly, but you got to use the form. You can't send it from your email. And then another thing they'll do is they have these public records portals. It's like a software yeah, that they put on their yeah. website. And it's, I guess it's designed to make their lives easier. Like they have it organized in a system. But if you're a person who sends a lot of public records requests, it makes your life more difficult. And they're kind of trying to like, like a public records request is supposed to be a way that a person with minimal fuss can access public records. But they're trying to essentially externalize all of the internal fuss onto the public records requester. And like, it's, it's a huge pain in the ass if you make, like, if you, I guess I, I, I'll say that, like, if you're a person who just, you know, you're dipping your toes in this, you just want to make like a couple of public records requests. It's not a big deal. You sign up for an account on one of these portals, you send the request, they've got it in a system. It's kind of cool. But if you make lots of public records requests to lots of different places, it's like, I'm not going to create an account for all 351 towns in Massachusetts and for every state agency. I'm not going to have all these passwords saved. I'm not going to like, you know, have to log in every single time I want to download a record. I just want it to go to my email and have it searchable in my email. And, you know, it, it, it's so obnoxious. And and I even, I, I get these emails where I will like email them using the email that's on their website and they'll have an automated response that's like, we have a new policy. Please submit your records request to this portal here. And I'll just email them back and be like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And if they don't, if they don't give me the records. I'll file an appeal. But I even, I, I actually added. Yeah, I have, you're a fighter. I have, a, I have a template that I use for my records requests, and I actually added a line eventually in it that says, "Please, to the extent feasible, provide all records as email attachments." I decline to use an online portal to request or receive records, and 
that's like I stick by that when people are like, please use our our portal. I will be like, it literally says in my request, I'm not going to do that. You know, like it's it's an eternal frustration that some of these people will will not. And, and I, I should say, like the public records law, part of that update in 2016, I mentioned that was supposed to kind of modernize it. One thing they said is you got to put your email address on your website, but a lot of these places just don't do it. And so I have had to, one of my superpowers is I am very good at guessing people's email addresses. You, you search, and if you can't find their email address, you find someone else's email address who works for that town. You figure out sort of what the naming convention is. Like a lot of people will have, you know, first initial followed by last name, or there might be some other naming convention, but you use that, then you find the person who's the records access officer and you, you know, you guess their email yeah, and 90% yeah. of the time you get it right. Sometimes I found that they don't post it in a conspicuous location on their website, which I believe is the, like the wording and the law, it must be conspicuously posted or whatever, but you can find it in some like document you know like it might be they're like oh it's the town yeah, clerk, yeah and the town clerk's name isn't on the website but you can find some email which often it might not even be like a public facing document it was like some internal discussion but they've got the person's email you know like please contact them here and you're like ha, i have your email now you yeah, can't hide yeah. from me and uh you know yeah, I, i've done searches like that yeah but yeah, if, if that's uh, something you've encountered, learn how to guess people's emails is my mm -hmm. advice. One thing you can also do is you can look up the municipality on statereference.com. <laughs> yeah. And oftentimes there'll all there'll already have been public records requests that are on state reference. And you can just see like who I emailed or who Jeff emailed, because I have all those great records from him. <laughs> you know, and see if he got a response. <laughs> Roland finally got back to me, by the way. He was not happy. Yes. Yes. That was one that you would. So it was funny. I got an email from Nathan late last week where he was like, yeah, I was bored. So I reached out to the towns that still haven't gotten back to you and I'm getting some of them back. And I'm like, oh, well, that's useful. So that's, you know, now why aren't they getting a hold of me? But yeah, <laughs> I, I do have to ask. I have one more question that I really wanted to mm -hmm. ask you is that, you know, you you said earlier, you're kind of new to this in, in terms of like the public records requesting and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, what is the what is the most interesting thing you found doing this that you would not have anticipated locating as part of this project? Like you opened up a file and you got a treasure trove of like something that you weren't expecting. What's your favorite? Oh my god, that's that's hard. I mean, like just the whole thing, right? Like I, if you rewound a few years ago, brought me back to talk to twenty nineteen me. Like, I had no idea that you could get in like police internal affairs files. It was always just warm my heart, <laughs> you know, to see those, right? But there's a, there's so many incredible other things. Like you know, I, I remember getting like just a couple of years ago, like from MassDOT, getting like every traffic ticket issued in the past twenty years. Like, that is so neat. And it's just, like, machine-readable, you know, like, CSV files. You can do analysis on it. Like, you just look at it, and you're like, oh, my God, all the different things I could potentially do with this information, all the things you could graph, you know. I just uploaded it. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> someone else could do something really interesting with it, right? <laughs> you know? And, and and I yeah, I really love that stuff where you get, like, a big data set. And you can, like, actually, like, even just bring it into Excel, you know, and do a pivot table or graph or something, right? <laughs> Who doesn't love a good pivot table? Yeah. Oh, wait, can I just say one thing about the portals? No. Right? So <laughs> do we have time? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> like, so like, 
So like, yeah, for, for sending the requests, the portals are really annoying because like, okay, I have a system set up based on sending emails and now like I have to go log into something and it's just annoying for me, but whatever, I'll just do it. You will? Yeah, I do. But don't like, do it. I I don't fight. I'm I'm more accommodating than Andrew is. <laughs> you know. Grace <laughs> a little veteran over there. <laughs> we must we must resist. Like if they asked me to fax something, I probably would. <laughs> it hasn't come up yet. But... In my day, I had to march yeah. up both sides <laughs> of the hill in the snow barefoot. <laughs> but I want to say is there's actually something very good that they that some places do with the portal is that many of the portals have like a public records archive attached to it and what they'll do is when someone sends a request and it's not some it doesn't end up being anything like personal they can they can like click a button and say make this public to the world and that's really you know and as i was saying earlier about public records that end up in the filing cabinet like that's that's really cool and that's really important and you know not everyone does that and you know the criteria they use for making stuff public might be suspicious but like it's at least something <laughs> and i'm glad that they're doing it yeah that's fair i mean there are some advantage i mean i think it's good to have a system for for that sort of thing but they still need to respond to emails like give me a break <laughs> yeah i mean but but i i agree i mean i think that what to go back to a point i was making earlier i think we need more involvement from the state in terms of like standardization like i think it'd be great if there was some kind of like open source software that any town or city that wants to use it can use this sort of portal and it will yeah, yeah. allow it to communicate with email and it won't you know force people to log in but it'll also make a lot of stuff public and you know it will keep things organized so that they're able to respond to the request without, you know, having stuff get like lost. I, I think that's a good idea, but we, we yeah. need to have, we, it needs to be implemented in a way that doesn't kind of like subvert the public records law and try to like put the onus on the requester to do more of the work. That's my only, my main gripe basically. Mm. But, We're already doing it. Yeah. Enough. Understood. Understood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, more but, centralization would be great in a lot of ways, right? Like we're just talking about the like finding the contacts. Why doesn't the state have a big list of records access officers? Like yeah, exactly, but it should just be uh, should, they should just have a database that gets updated. They know who they are because they're definitely emailing those people when I send yeah. an appeal to the wrong person. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would even love to have it so that you could get like have a notification like if this town changes the records access officer, just tell me so that I'm not sending it to the wrong email. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, but we don't have anything like that. But we're kind of getting a little i mean well, i don't know if we're really getting off topic i mean this is kind of the point of why you're creating state reference because we don't have something like this that the government is doing even though the government should be doing it so you know you're you're filling a void with state reference and you know you may not have every conceivable document yet but we're, we're getting there 100,000 is a is a good start yeah it's a good start <laughs> like talk to me at a million yeah and uh i mean i guess should just say people in particular, I mean, anybody should check this out, but if you're a journalist, like definitely check out this website and don't just check it out. There's like a subscribe button, I guess. Oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a newsletter, I guess. It says you're, you're going to send out some I updates mean, occasionally. There isn't a newsletter yet because I'm the only <laughs> subscriber last I checked. No, I subscribed right before we nice. got on the podcast. Nice. So uh, you've got two <laughs> subscribers now. Yeah, uh, now I have to figure out how to send a newsletter. <laughs> but 
my point being just like this this website is is going to grow and it's going to become more useful over time and i think that journalists in particular or you know it could be like lawyers who are trying to research yeah cases it could be activists uh you know like concerned citizens as they say who are trying (laughs) to to make a difference in their community or who just just people who want to know what's going on in their community you know they just have a question and they're not finding an easy way to answer it because they're not a public records guru or whatever they're going to be able to go on your website and maybe find some answers to some of those questions or make connections that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to make. And just, that's a, it's a great thing. So yes, we've got 100% to... my hope. And I love feedback from anyone who knows what they're doing, you know, <laughs> because like I said, I'm not a journalist, so I don't exactly know what I'm doing. <laughs> so feedback from, you know, from people who could actually benefit from this would be just fantastic. Yeah. And I think you're part of what you're, you've been doing is you've been incorporating records from other people. So if you're someone who is working on some big project and you're not, you know, shy in terms of sharing your records. Maybe you are able to contribute something to state reference, and that will could pay off for someone else at some point. And you know, that's definitely something I want to figure out how to do. I haven't like exactly figured out what the process should be, but like, yeah, definitely. Nathan was so he he sent such a nice email to me. He's like, oh, can I use some of your stuff? I I really don't want to be a problem if it's a thing i'm like please download all of it i can give you a zip file (laughs) they're public records nathan what are you asking for for? and i do like scraping things remember so like like i can get it if it's out there yeah so what else is going on nathan anything else we need to uh cover before we wrap this thing up not that i think of are we going to talk about Baldur's gate 3 or is that (laughs) (laughs) i don't have a machine to play it on i'm like i actually went i saw i was like you know what the old Baldur's gate games are Mm. on nintendo switch which i just got this year and i'm like if i can't play you know new Baldur's gate i guarantee those are on sale right now to like you know as a promo for the Baldur's gate 3 coming out and i was like Oh my god, not just Baldur's Gate. All the old Dungeons and Dragons games were on sale and I like thought about it for half an hour. Do I want to spend the money on this? Yeah. How much time am I willing to sink into this? And I was like, of course I want to get them. <laughs> I love those old games, but I'm jealous of you and Jeff playing the new one. Uh no spoilers, okay? If I hear any spoilers right, right. from you. This is like my first Dungeons and Dragons game, too. Like I didn't know anything. I'm like, what's a tiefling? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, it gets really weird in the third act where like you know then the what if then the dragon it, comes down no no i'm close though i'm i'm how, how, got... how do you how do you how do you already that far into the game i thought you had a job i do i do <laughs> i do i promise i do they were out of town for a few days nice just what did you, you, spend the, you spend the whole time playing Baldur's Gate? Wow. I might have. Sounds I like something have. I would do. Listen, listen, <laughs> you know, they were they were out of town and, you know, you wake up at nine, eat some breakfast and then you blink and it's like 930 and you don't know what happened to your day. But you do know <laughs> what happened to your day because you're your rogue. Because you have an action log. <laughs> yeah, your your human rogue just like devoured a bunch of goblins so yeah. you know it's great of, of course the, the nerds who are talking about documents and machine readable text <laughs> and excel formulas are going to be playing dungeons and dragons computer exactly games. but yeah nathan yeah. uh anything else you know related to state reference or stuff you're working on that you just wanted to mention before 
we end this thing? Anything we didn't get to? I think it's time to wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, we're good. That's fair. Yeah. Why don't you just one, one last little uh, promo for your stuff. Tell us, you know, where we can find your, your work. Okay. Please, please go to statereference.com for the State Reference Massachusetts database currently in beta. Your resource for public records from municipalities, state agencies with a particular focus on police departments. I'm still working on this pitch. I don't quite have it like fluid yet. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, people, uh, like I said, don't don't Google it. Just go to the URL, statereference.com. Statereference.com. Just, uh, just search for something that interests you. Search for your town. Search for, you know, uh, a particular state agency. And there's a, a helpful uh, explanation of, we were talking about operators, you know, search terms that allow you yeah. to, to, to do more like specific discerning searches nathan was helpful enough to put something on there explaining what the operators are for state reference so like if you're not familiar with more like advanced searching techniques because you're not a geek like us check that out learn a little bit about this stuff search state reference try to find some cool stuff and nathan thanks for thanks for being on thank you thank you andrew thank you jeff it was great talking to you both yeah anytime good, good stuff You've been listening to Lights Out Mass. I'm Andrew Clamere. I write the Mass Dump newsletter. That's andrewqmr.substack.com. That's where you can find this podcast. You can also find us on Apple and Spotify. And I'm Jeff Raymond with the Mass Transparency Project in Bramanville Tribune, masstransparency.org, bramanvilletribune.com, or at Twitter, Jeff and Milbury. Our theme music is Sunbleach by Lifeformed. You can find more music at Bandcamp. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. So Nathan, when are you going to scrape all of masscourts.org for us? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like the Mass Courts website, it's just infuriating, isn't it? Like just trying to find anything on there. And like, I don't even realize, like at first I thought the site just had like, you know, like metadata, like the parties or whatever. I didn't even realize that it has like full like PDFs of the stuff submitted by the lawyers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, there is actually so much stuff there, but it's all like locked down. And, you know, I've, I've like spoken to people about this, like informally. And like, I understand there's reasons why they don't want, they want to make it hard to get court records, right? Because they have this idea that, which I'm very suspicious of, where they say like, okay, everything that happens in a court is public. This is some ancient common law thing. It's like the Magna Carta or something, right? <laughs> but like, but they're like, but if you can just search for someone, then like, you know, people could, they could have like all sorts of minor stuff or stuff they weren't convicted of, like held against them. And that's not really fair. So we reached this like compromise where it's public records just like hard to get, Right. It makes me think of like the, the, it makes me, I, I always think of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy about like the, the, what was it? The plan was registered in the filing cabinet in disused lavatory of the basement of the <laughs> town council. Protected you know? by like tigers or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it's very frustrating. It really seems like there are, there is stuff that we should download and like make generally available from that. Like, I don't know if the criminal stuff should really be brought down yeah, and, like and that just feels for, a lot like for yeah. people who don't uh, aren't familiar on mass courts it's the trial court website for uh, massachusetts you can search for 
court records on there. It, it's not everything. It's what are called pleadings. These are basically like the, in a colloquial term, they're like the briefs that people submit to the court that, you know, are have arguments and things like that in them. And they make the civil cases available, but to get criminal stuff, you have to have login credentials for the website, which they only give out to lawyers and court employees. So if someone has a criminal case, uh, we were talking about this, I can't remember which episode, Jeff, but I was saying that my trick is I I know a lawyer who I asked to send me stuff from criminal <laughs> cases. But <laughs> yeah, if you, if you are just a member of the public, all you can get is the civil stuff. And also they make it a huge pain in the ass to search for stuff. You have to fill out a CAPTCHA every single time you search. Mm. And the like, search terms you can use are fairly narrow like you have to know the name of the party and you can't just like search by topic or something like that so you basically and you gotta know to... what court it's in which is the part yeah. that drives me nuts yeah because it's like it's like a that is the needle in the haystack because you think you might know well it takes place in this but what district court covers this area but was it actually filed in there and yeah, but anyway, back to my original question, Nate. When are you gonna grab all this stuff for us so we don't have to go on mass courts anymore? Especially because that website is always down. It's like every single time, it's like a, a law that like every time you go to mass courts to search for something, as soon as you run the search, the website like crashes and like you don't you gotta come back two hours later and you know try again. Yeah, and fill out all the captures again. I mean it's tempting, you know. The thing the thing it scares me though, right? Like when you talk about like yeah, scraping the mass court site, because you go there and there's a bunch of like legal language. And normally, like, you know, people like, you know, they, they put like scary legalese on stuff and just kind of ignore it. But like, when it's literally written by judges, like, I don't know, I'm like, <laughs> like, maybe, maybe I don't want to touch this without like, at least without some legal guidance. Right. But well, yeah, there's definitely, there definitely looks like there's stuff that could be like, really useful. Like you imagine like, the stuff that could be mentioned in these filings, even just in like the civil ones, that currently is just going totally under the radar, right? Especially in like, you know, news deserts, like there could probably be, there's probably municipalities getting sued that like, no one even no, no one really kn knows that it happened because like the town doesn't say anything and it just kind of goes under the radar and there's no newspaper for that particular town just like refreshing the website or going to the courthouse right yeah i mean it happens all the time actually because of yeah. the i mean first of all because of how hard it is to search for the records and also just because of the decline in local journalism there just aren't enough people on the, this beat anymore like if you had enough there then there'd be some journalist whose job was to be like, go run these searches, you know, once in, every couple of weeks in mass yeah. courts and find the yeah. stuff or just go down to the courthouse and pull the files. But if you don't have those people on payroll, you know, then it just goes under the radar. So again, Nathan, you gotta, gotta pull all this stuff. I'll look into if, it. If you're I'll worried about the it. legal consequences, just like go to Russia and then <laughs> drop, drop, drop the files from there. And if there's like, they, they file for extradition, you know, you can see, yeah. uh, asylum I'll, I'll be like edward snowden exactly in permanent exile the, the edward snowden of massachusetts nathan's yeah. story <laughs> think local yeah hiding from the massachusetts judges who are out to get him it's, it's a tempting offer yes you should you should do it <laughs>